Welcome to the Finding True Health podcast, episode number 11. Today, I'll be giving you five steps that you can use anytime you want to stop eating due to stress. And as a quick reminder, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And also, please keep in mind that although I am a registered dietitian, I'm not your registered dietitian, and this podcast is not a substitute for seeking individualized care from a qualified professional for your particular needs. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Hey there, friends. My name is Jenna Waite. I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, mother of five, and someone who's passionate about helping others find true health in the midst of diet culture and body objectification. Join me as we take our focus off of weight and body size and put it on to becoming the healthiest possible versions of ourselves so that we can have energy to live our best lives. I'm so excited you're here. Now let's dive in. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. We watched the Disney movie Encanto a few weeks ago, and we really enjoyed, my family really enjoyed that, and we especially really liked the music. And so my kids have been playing and singing that music a lot lately, and I feel like I constantly have one or sometimes several of the Encanto songs going through my head throughout the day. So hopefully I don't break out into singing during this podcast episode. So today we're going to be talking about stress eating or stress snacking. And it's important before we begin to remember that using food as a coping mechanism from time to time, whether it's for stress or for any other emotions you might be feeling, is really normal for most people. It's really nothing to worry about usually if it's something you just do from time to time. Food is a natural soother. Ever since we were babies, we've been soothed by food. And so, again, it's just really natural that we might turn to it. But of course, if you're using food often to help deal with the stresses of life, then that's when it can become an issue. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I like this quote from the book Intuitive Eating. They said, food is love, food is comfort, food is reward, food is a reliable friend. And sometimes food becomes your only friend in moments of pain and loneliness. So again, food is just naturally a comforting thing. But if it is the only thing you have to turn to when you're feeling lonely or upset or stressed out, then it can um, obviously bring some issues in your life. There are lots of reasons that people eat emotionally. They might eat because they're bored. They're trying to procrastinate something. Maybe when they're excited or happy, they can eat as a way to feel loved or soothed. Some people eat when they feel like they deserve a reward, like it's been a long day, they've worked really hard all day, so they deserve a treat. Um, people, People eat because they're frustrated or angry, maybe because they're nervous or anxious or sad or depressed. There are any number of reasons that someone might turn to food outside of hunger and to help soothe emotions. But today we're going to focus specifically on stress. And this is a little bit tricky because stress has kind of become a catch-all term for a lot of different emotions that aren't truly stress, such as pressure, maybe worry, anxiety, which anxiety has also become a catch-all for other emotions. So sometimes it's a little bit hard to know if you're truly feeling stressed or not, but the steps I'm going to be sharing with you can be used for any number of other emotions as well. But I do specifically want to talk about stress here for a minute. Stress kind of gets a bad rap in our society. In her book, The Upside of Stress, 
Kelly McGonigal makes the argument that stress isn't always bad. It can help push us to rise to certain challenges and really get outside of our comfort zone and push ourselves to learn and to grow. It can also help increase our empathy and help us connect with others because it causes the hormone oxytocin to be released, which is kind of our connecting hormone. How we think about stress matters. So just try to keep those potential benefits of stress in mind when facing a stressful situation. That alone can help make it so you don't have to turn to food. If you kind of welcome stress sometimes and and know that this is just helping me to learn and to grow. However, while acute or short-term stress can offer us some of those benefits I just mentioned, chronic or long-term stress usually leads to various health problems. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're using food as a way to deal with either acute or chronic stress, that can really harm our health. The interesting thing is our biological mechanisms that are associated with stress actually turn off our desire to eat. When we are stressed, our body prepares for that fight or flight response, which leads to elevated blood sugar levels and slower digestion. Because of this, eating can be particularly harmful when you're stressed because your blood sugar is already high and you might have stomach or digestive issues due to that slower digestion. So chances are if you are truly in a moment of stress, you're probably not eating because of physical hunger at all. You might instead be turning to food as a way to comfort or to distract yourself from the feeling of being stressed because that's not a very comfortable feeling. Or maybe you're experiencing a crash from the high blood sugar. So maybe you had that cortisol release, your blood sugar shot up, and now you're crashing and you're actually in a state of hypoglycemia. And that can bring really intense cravings because your body wants to get your blood sugar up, especially cravings for simple carbohydrates. Certain foods are very effective at helping us feel good and calming us down, particularly, again, those same those foods, high in sugar, simple carbohydrates, white flour, those release that feel-good hormone of dopamine that helps us to calm ourselves down. You might have other foods that have been comforting to you in your past, maybe from your childhood, and you might turn to those foods as well. Eating can also produce a sort of numbing or buffer from feeling uncomfortable emotions. So that might be another reason that you're turning to food. So I mentioned a book by Kelly McGonigal about the upside of stress. She also wrote another book called The Willpower Instinct. And in that book, she's, she kind of explains why stress makes us want to eat. She said, the brain, it turns out, is especially susceptible to temptation when we're feeling bad. Why does stress lead to cravings? It's part of the brain's rescue mission. When your fight or flight response is activated, your brain isn't just motivated to protect your life. It wants to protect your mood, too. So whenever you're under stress, your brain is going to point you toward whatever it thinks will make you happy. Stress points us in the wrong direction, away from our clear-headed wisdom and toward our least helpful instincts. The promise of reward combined with the promise of relief can lead to all sorts of illogical behavior. So this is why stress eating is so common. So if you tend to be someone who turns to food when you're stressed, just know that this is completely normal and that there are some really strong biological mechanisms going on to, to urge you to eat when you're stressed out. It can actually be really helpful to help build awareness and compassion for yourself. If you identify why you're using food as a coping mechanism for your stress, 
Is it simply a habit? Are there things in your past that drive you to turn to food when you're stressed? Maybe your mom always gave you a treat when you're upset. Uh, Do you have a history of dieting and find it hard to resist certain foods when you're maybe feeling a little more weak? And a quick side note here, some people mistakenly think that they're emotionally eating when really they're just responding to biological or psychological hunger due to food restriction. So making sure that you're trying to eat healthy, sustainable meals throughout the day, meals that have protein and fat and carbohydrates, fiber, that are going to help keep your blood, sh- blood sugar stable, that's going to help you so that you're not accidentally thinking that you're emotionally eating when really it's just physical hunger or, again, psychological hunger because you've been restricting, you've been dieting, and your brain is kind of revolting against that with causing stronger cravings for some of the foods that you're restricting. All right, so now that you understand what might be causing you to stress eat, let's talk about how to stop. I really like to use the five-step technique given by Dr. Mark Brackett that he explains in his book, Permission to Feel. Dr. Brackett recommends using what he calls the RULER technique for navigating emotions. So that's R-U-L-E-R. It's an acronym. And it stands for recognize, understand, label, express, and regulate. We'll talk about each of those here in a second. But most people want to just jump ahead to the final step of regulate. And usually when I hear people talk about stress eating, they jump to this one. And this is a really important step for sure. And regulation techniques can certainly calm us down and make us feel better and help us to not eat. But if we just jump to that one, it doesn't allow us the benefit of really understanding where the stress is coming from and of allowing our bodies to just process the emotion. It's almost like we're trying to shove it down to the basement and just deal with the stressful feeling instead of kind of holding it out in front of us and taking a look at it. And if we take the time to really process that emotion, there's a much higher chance that it won't just pop right back up again. So let's talk about step number one, which is recognize. You first need to pause and check for any physical sensations in your body and ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Try to locate where, where it is that you're feeling it in the body. Is it a tightness in your chest or in your stomach? Is your breathing really shallow? Does the emotion seem to move around your body or does it stay put in one place? Is there kind of a shape or a color or a certain texture associated with this feeling? Just really get into your body and try and figure out what's going on. Those chemical reactions in our body are usually the first signal that we get that we're feeling stress. And awareness is always the first step. The less aware we are of our emotions, the less likely we are to figure out how to best regulate them. So after we've kind of recognized and become aware and felt where that emotion is, the second step is to understand. Ask yourself why you're feeling this way. Try to really get to the root of the emotion. What just happened to bring this feeling on? What thoughts do you have that caused or are accompanying this feeling? Maybe something happened earlier in the day or maybe sometime clear in your past or maybe you're thinking about something in the future. By identifying the source of your stress, you have a much better chance of being able to regulate it and possibly prevent it from coming up again. So after we have recognized and understood, now we're going to go on to step three, which is label. What is the one word emotion 
or maybe multiple emotions that best describe how you are feeling. So in this case, it's probably stress, but you might also have other accompanying emotions like anxiety or fear or concern or overwhelm. What exactly are you feeling? It's easy to brush this step aside and ignore the importance of it, but labeling emotions really gives you an insight into what is going on. I actually found some interesting information on the Anxiety Relief Project website. They said research findings show that labeling emotional experiences reduces activation in brain regions that process emotions. People not only rate their emotions as less intense after an emotional experience where they have labeled and described them, but their body's physiology, so their sweat, their heart rates, also showed less of a response. And uh, I found another study that was really interesting. It was done on people who were afraid of spiders. And they found that those who labeled the anxiety and fear that they felt when they came in contact, contact with a spider as opposed to just trying to change their thoughts about the spider or maybe distract themselves from it, had lower physiological reactivity to the spiders. So there again, labeling the emotion was really important. So if you have a hard time labeling your emotions, like really telling, being able to tell what you're feeling, it can be helpful to look at a list of different emotions to help pinpoint what you're feeling until you get a little bit better at it. So after you've labeled, step number four is to express. Express your emotion in appropriate ways, of course. Maybe talk it out with someone, even talk it out with yourself, either out loud or in your head. You can write a letter. You don't don't ever have to send the letter. Just write out your thoughts, your feelings, write in your journal. Another way to express what you're feeling is if you need to cry or maybe yell or pound a pillow or do something physical to to get it out, then that's fine too. And then after you've done those first four steps, you can move on to step number five. Now, oftentimes after doing steps one through four and really feeling and examining the source of your stress, you might already feel calmer and you might be able to skip step five altogether. But if you're still feeling stressed and feeling like you need some extra support, feeling like you might turn still turn to food, when you don't want to, then you can use a, hope, a healthy coping skill to manage your emotional response. And that's step number five is to regulate. Some different regulation techniques are using different breathing techniques. There's other relaxation or attention shifting techniques. Uh, there's lots of these to choose from. You can keep an adult coloring book nearby, do a jigsaw puzzle, drink some herbal tea, listen to music or a podcast, read a book, take a quick walk, especially outside. Walking outside is a really effective way to reduce stress quickly. Uh, Both the exercise and the nature and sunshine, those all work together to reduce stress really effectively. Um, You can play a musical instrument. There's lots of different ways you can either distract or help relax yourself. You can also try cognitive reframing. You can reframe the thoughts that are causing the stress. And you might want to go back and listen to episode number nine for more information on how to reframe your thoughts. So those are the five steps. So once again, they are recognize, understand, label, express, and regulate. R-U-L-E-R. 
As with many things in life, having a plan in place ahead of time can be a really good idea before you're faced with your next stressful situation. I like to create what I call a future emotions game plan. I like to have my students write down a few situations that often cause stress for them, that they anticipate feeling stress in. So it could be something related to your children or your spouse or your job. Um, It doesn't have to be the exact situation, but just kind of the general time that you often feel stress. And then write three to four non-food related activities that you can do to navigate that stress when it comes up. Be really specific. Write down um, exact specific behaviors. Again, maybe some breathing techniques, some relaxation techniques that you're going to turn to when that stress comes. And so then when you're in the moment and you're just naturally heading for the food to help relieve that stress, then you have a plan already to go and you can just quickly switch to one of the activities that you already planned to do. So I want to give you a little personal example of when I used this technique recently. I was feeling some stress in my body. I could tell I was getting stressed. So I took a moment to practice the ruler technique. First, I recognized I recognized that I was starting to feel my chest tighten. I was getting sort of a pit in my stomach. Um, Stress to me feels kind of blackish and dark. And as soon as I noticed these sensations, I tried step number two to understand. I paused and I paid closer attention to what I was thinking. I realized that in that moment, I was thinking about my upcoming surgery. I'm going to be having surgery on my throat just to remove a little um, swollen kind of suspicious lymph node. And I was feeling some stress and anxiety about that. So when I tried to label the emotions, I realized I had a few things going on. I was nervous about my surgery. I was worried that I wouldn't be able to get everything ready around the house and with work and preparation for my surgery. And all of this put together was causing this stress. So I recognized, I understood I labeled, and then I needed to express this feeling. So I had a little conversation with myself about some unrealistic expectations I had, and I reminded myself that although I would prefer to, I didn't have to get everything on my to-do list done before my surgery. I also recognized that some of the things that I was stressing over were ones that I had no control over, so I decided to just let those ones go. And after I did those four steps, I did feel a lot better, but I still decided to do some regulating as well. I have some go-to breathing exercises that I find really helpful when I'm feeling stressed, so I took just a minute to do one of my breathing exercises. And after I went through this whole ruler technique, I really did feel a lot better, and that stress, had I just kind of tried to ignore it or push it aside or do something to make me feel better in the moment... I know it would have come back again and again throughout the day, but it didn't. I kind of processed it. I was able to let it go and I didn't feel it come back again for that particular situation. So I know this technique really works. It might seem like kind of a lot at first, like, oh, five steps and it takes a minute to get through them, but soon it really becomes kind of automatic. It only takes a few minutes And it's really effective, and it just really eliminates the need to turn to food to help calm yourself down. So one important note I want to make, when you're trying to avoid stress eating, 
I've heard quite a few people recommend to not even have the foods that you normally turn to during times of stress in your house. Now, this is a whole other podcast episode for another day, whether or not you should keep all purely for pleasure foods or what some people call junk foods out of your house. I'm, again, that, I don't really want to get into that conversation here, but if you do choose to have some of these fun foods around, I think it's totally fine. But it might be a good idea to keep them in a place that you aren't seeing them often or where it might be harder to get to them just to prevent that impulse eating in the moment of stress. It's just really easy when we're feeling stressed and the food is just right there. It's easily accessible to just grab it and eat it before we even give ourselves a chance to try this ruler technique, try any sort of regulation or um, pause to calm ourselves down. Also, I want to point out that doing those things that are known to help reduce stress in your life or to help handle stressful situations, so getting enough sleep, exercising regularly, eating a balanced diet, all these things are really going to help reduce the urge to turn to food when you're stressed because you're just naturally already going to be able to process stress a lot better if you're just taking care of yourself in these ways. So in conclusion here, I just want to remind you that emotion regulation requires brain power. It requires moving from automatic and unhelpful behaviors to more deliberate and helpful strategies, and it can be hard work. Developing emotion skills takes time. It takes work and practice, and it's not going to just come naturally. It's not going to come easily usually. So Dr. Brackett reminds us that along with permission to feel, we must also give ourselves permission to fail. Don't get mad at yourself when you resort back to using food as a coping mechanism to handle stress, especially if it's something you've been doing for a long time. Remember, like we talked about last week in episode 10 about forming new habits, it's going to take time, it's going to take repetition to create new neural pathways. So be patient with yourself. Allow yourself to be human. Don't get upset with yourself if, again, you turn to stress eating now and again. But I really encourage you to try out this ruler technique. See if it works for you and find other ways to help regulate and handle that stress when it comes up in your life because it's going to come up. We're all going to have stress. Again, that's not always a bad thing. Stress is an important part of our lives. And so learning how to handle and navigate it in healthy ways is really, really important. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode was helpful to you at all, I would be so, so appreciative if you would leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And I hope you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you next week. Bye for now. Do you want to ditch diets and eat more intuitively, but you're just not sure how? Well, I have a course designed just for you. Help Through Habits is where intuitive eating meets habit formation. It's a step-by-step guide for turning the principles of intuitive eating into doable, sustainable habits in your life so you can become the healthiest possible version of yourself. This is where the magic happens, my friends. This is how true health is achieved. You're not going to want to miss out on this life-changing course, so head on over to Health through habits.com to check it out.